Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. Hi, right, news roundup, information overload hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800 941 Sean, a number you want to be a part of the program. So, Senator Rand Paul, rightly, after all of the mistakes, all of the lies, all of the misinformation, finally said enough of Fauci. And they actually had a vote today, and there were a number of Republicans that voted uh, against Rand Paul's amendment. Uh, let's see, Senator Burr of North Carolina, Susan Collins, Maine, Cassidy, Louisiana, Murkowski, Alaska, Romney, what a shock, Utah, uh, Moran in Kansas. And my question is, what part of the lying do they not understand? Five of the six that voted to keep Fauci also voted to get rid of Trump. So it's a pretty interesting contrast, isn't it? Senator Rand Paul, great state of Kentucky, is uh, with us. Uh, Senator, I was really happy you were doing this. There, we learned from uh, Fauci's own emails. We learned from The Intercept. We learned from NIH's own materials that they knew about the origins of the coronavirus and that he lied right to your face on numerous occasions. If I did it before a Senate committee, I think I'd probably be charged and, and handcuffed and, and taken off to jail and, and given a trial and probably be found guilty. Um, why did these Republicans, what part of the, these lies do they not understand? You know, what's hard for me to understand is how Republicans, these are the Republicans who also voted to get rid of Trump. They voted to impeach Trump, but they voted to keep Fauci. How many voters do you think in, in those Republican states actually think that we should impeach Trump, but keep Fauci? I'll bet you if you polled that in Utah, I'll bet you less than 5%, probably 1% of Utah Republicans actually believe that we should impeach Trump and keep Fauci. So the contrast is just stark. I think they think they get away with it because I think they think nobody will know how they voted. They think, ah, oh, it's just a committee hearing. No one's going to hear about it. But I'm guessing about 15 million people are going to hear about it on your program today. And really, it shouldn't be hidden. It shouldn't be a secret. If you're going to vote to impeach President Trump, Put your name and your face out there, but if you're going to vote to keep Fauci, who's been so wrong and taken so many of our liberties away, put your name on it. Be proud of it and let everybody in your state know that you voted to keep Fauci and get rid of Donald Trump. And by the way, if a, a moment of privilege, if I may, and this is the same Mitt Romney now that is not committing to supporting the reelection of, I think, a great senator, a real constitutionalist by the name of Mike Lee, and I'm strongly throwing my support behind him, as I assume you are. Mike Lee's one of the best. I would say he's one of the best on every policy, from economic policy to tax to regulation to the Constitution to a constitutional foreign policy. Mike Lee's one of the best out there. And the fact that Romney won't support him. See, Romney's talking about, you know, this other guy, this independent that's running supported Biden. Biden supports partial birth abortion. That means Romney is okay with a guy that's for partial birth abortion all the way up to the time of birth if he's going to say he's not going to endorse Mike Lee against this independent who supported Biden. I think it's shameful, but he ought to be called out for it. You know, most of Utah is pro-life, and if Romney wants to go home and say, oh yeah, I'm for this McMullen guy who was for Biden, who's for partial birth abortion, he's got some explaining to do to some conservative Christian voters in Utah. I want to get your thoughts, obviously, on what we should do with uh, Russia invading Ukraine. But uh, there are three big stories that I saw on COVID today. By the way, there is, there are two variants we're watching out for. Omicron 2.0, if you will, 
and then Delta Crom, which is a, a sort of a combination of the Delta variant and the Omicron variant. Uh, Pfizer apparently is seeking emergency authorization for a second booster injection for people 65 and older, according to the Washington Post. Bloomberg editors asking a really important question. Where did the six trillion dollars in covid funding go? Uh, and then also Pfizer's CEO saying you cannot stop the flow of our medicine to Russia. And I'm like, yes, we can. Why don't we? Your thoughts, Senator? I think the main thing to know about um, information you get from a drug company is they're self-interested. So we should never take pronouncements of a CEO of a major drug company on face value. Their job is to make money. That's their explicit job and role as CEO of the company. They're not out there for the betterment of mankind. They're not out there for public policy. They're out there for making money, and I understand that. I'm not against a CEO who wants to make his company money. I am against people in government listening to CEOs as if they're disinterested people. We also have to realize that there's a lot of misinformation coming from government. So the CDC says, oh, everybody should get a booster. Well, they put data out, and lo and behold, it was missing 130 million people in America that are age 18 to 49. Now, why did the CDC hide that data of 130 million people? Because it didn't fit the narrative. It showed that a booster didn't make you any safer, didn't keep you out of the hospital, and really wasn't indicated if you were age 18 to 49. But it disappeared from the data because the CDC has become a political organization that only produces data that supports their narrative, which is universal vaccination for everybody all the time, and now they want a fourth, a fifth. No, there needs to be some nuance, and there needs to be individualization. A 15-year-old kid is different than an 85-year-old man. And if you're not going to tell me that they're different, you're not really practicing medicine. What you're practicing is sort of just support of the medical industrial complex at that point. Let's get your general thoughts on on Putin. Um, I think uh, you have a more libertarian strain. I, I've gotten more libertarian over the course of my career on, on many social issues in particular. Um, I think you and I both agree under no circumstances do we put one American boot on the ground in Ukraine. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, I am very impressed with the willingness of the Ukrainians to fight for themselves. Um, I support, for example, supplying, and really NATO should be doing more of this, and Western European nations should be doing more than us, but as usual, everything falls on us. Um, they should be provided the javelins that have been working very effectively, the Stinger missiles that are very effective. I still think that Joe Biden vetoing Poland's offer of those MiG jets is a big mistake. And if the Ukrainian people are willing to fight back this insurgency war and can do it successfully, if the free world helps them with munitions, et cetera, we ought to do it because I don't like looking at images, Senator, of mass graves and one body tossed on top of another, and I bet you don't. Um, I don't like to see uh, dead women and children in the street with their luggage as they're trying to flee this war-torn country. My, my soul and conscience says uh, if we can provide them the weapons that can fight back, do it. Without any question, I have absolutely no sympathy for any aggressor nation like this invading another country. So no sympathy whatsoever for Russia and for what they've done. For analyzing the situation, I would say Putin has miscalculated on every front. He's miscalculated the resistance of the Ukrainian people. He's miscalculated the coalescence of the Europeans and NATO against him. And he's, un he's miscalculated the resolve of the American people. Now, I do think that when, at times when you're in the middle of war, it's best 
some some things are best not made into elaborate speeches and publicity. So, for example, the MIGs that Poland had, instead of having a big thing, oh, let's give them to America, get America to give them to them, they could have been shuffled across the border weeks ago without any announcement. They could have said, oh, well, I don't know what happened to them. I guess they were stolen. I mean, that's what you would do if you really wanted to do it. But by coming to America and saying, oh, let's give the MiGs to America, and then America can be catapulted forward as being involved in this war, no, they should have quietly been uh, – there's a border. They could have been pushed across the border, for goodness sakes. But by getting America involved in this and getting the Biden administration and everybody speaking out about it, it's not really much of a secret anymore, is it? There are probably some things that should be done clandestinely, and that's one that could have happened to help them without a lot of uh, publicity surrounding it. I think in the end what will happen is if Putin is able to take the cities and take the territory and hold it, that the war will go on for a long, long time as an insurgency. I've been saying, and I don't know that many other people are saying this, but I think the pipeline will be destroyed by Ukrainians once the Russians take it over. If the royalty payments are going to a Russian puppet government in Kiev, I think that there's no really uh, incentive for Ukrainian uh, nationalist or people in support of the the current government, why would they let the pipeline continue to exist if the royalties are going to the Russians? So I think there'll be a time when when maybe the oil, the pipeline becomes uh, sabotaged. And if Nord Stream 2 is not coming on, and if the Europeans do actually try to restrict the flow of oil through the other pipelines, there's going to be an economic hurt that Putin in no way ever gauged. I think he really also discounted and didn't believe the Germans would do anything. And the Germans have actually stepped up, I think, uh, to the surprise of many. You know, if you ever told me that the climate alarmist cult would take America from energy independence to energy dependence once again, and with two, I just had oil experts on in the last hour of this program, they said we've got over 200 years plus when you factor in all our natural gas resources that we know of, all of the coal resources we know of, uh, all of the oil resources we know of. So we have plenty of, of resources, natural resources. But if you ever thought, did you ever think there would ever be a United States president that would give in to this climate alarmist cult religion and beg the mullahs in Iran to try to try to do a horrific nuclear deal with them, including giving them tens of billions of dollars, importing oil eventually from them, uh, considering and sending an emissary to discuss with the murdering dictator thug in Venezuela, importing energy from them. Uh, when Canada, in eight months, the Alberta premier said we could have 900,000 barrels of oil flowing into this country if we'd finish that Keystone XL pipeline. Do you ever think an American president would bow at the altar of thugs and dictators and, and, and mullahs in Iran? Because I never saw, saw that day coming. It's not only the Keystone pipeline. The, the area of Alaska they call Anwar, which yep. Trump and the Republicans got opened up for the first time finally, and they were going to start drilling. My understanding there's more oil and gas under there than Saudi Arabia has. So this is an enormously potent thing. As far as coal, we still do burn some coal in our utility plants. We could increase our production of coal and our burning of coal. All kinds of things we could do. But if there's anybody that has acted in a more rational manner than us, it would be Germany. Germany cut out all their coal plants drastically in a matter of a few years. Then they got rid of all their nuclear plants. And it's like people learn the wrong lessons. If you looked at the, uh, you know, the disaster, the accident in Fukuyama and Japan, there were some lessons to come from that. One, don't build your nuclear power plant on the coast 
where tsunamis occur. And number two, wherever you build your nuclear plant, build a water source that's gravity-fed on a hill with mechanical valves that a person can open. Those were the lessons. The lessons weren't to quit making, you know, or producing nuclear plants. They're actually the best way to have a lot of energy that is actually the cleanest of all the energy forms for mass production. And so Germany, by doing that, made themselves uh, virtually dependent on Russia. Germany has boxed themselves into this situation. Hopefully, maybe somebody will run for office in Germany and say, hey, it was a huge mistake to get rid of all coal and nuclear. All right, got to take a quick break. We'll come back more with Senator Rand Paul on the other side. We'll get to your calls, final half hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, just also, too, I want to just, again, give another shout-out. One of Fox News' best cameramen ever, uh, now has lost his life. We don't know the extent to reporter, journalist Benjamin Hall. Uh, he was injured. Their vehicle was struck by incoming fire. And and just I want to express again my, my concern, love, prayers for their families. Uh, we don't give war correspondents, technical crews, the credit they really deserve to bring us the images in these very dangerous places. And um, I know it's a former New York Times reporter was killed. It's um, it's amazing the work that they do every day. And I'm sure their families are just devastated today. Our thoughts, prayers, love are sent to them. Quick break. More with Senator Rand Paul on the other side. All right. More with Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Let me ask you about two other countries. One is China that warned the world of the worst consequences for any country that supports Taiwan militarily. Uh, the U.S. is warning China not to assist Russia. I'm sure that's going to really put fear and trepidation into President Xi's heart and soul. And I don't think many people were paying attention. I'm sure you are, Senator. Uh, but we had large ballistic missiles uh, fired from Iran slamming into our U.S. base in Iraq. Um, what are we? What's Joey going to do about that? I think the most important thing, and this may actually be inadvertently a good thing that comes from the current war, is the message it sends to China that if the entire world, 141 out of 146 countries, voted to condemn the invasion and to uh, vote in support of territorial integrity for countries and for their sovereign borders, that kind of coalescence of the world against Russia I think is going to have impacts. And it's not a military response, but it's an enormous economic response like we've never seen before. I'm hoping that message to China is that if they were to act on Taiwan, that it will be a unified world. It'll be kicked. They'll be kicked out of every banking system. Look, China's gotten rich as a country selling us stuff. Would they really want to cut off the sales to America? You know, do they not realize that there's a possibility America would gain strength if Taiwan were involved and just say, guess what? If you overrun Taiwan, we're done with you. Um, so I think the reaction to Russia is, um, in some ways, good to send a message to China that, look, participate in the world, act civilized, trade with people, and don't invade other countries. And guess what? You can become rich as a nation, but the moment you decide to, to, to invade another country, your place in the world is threatened. Senator Rand Paul, Kentucky, uh, thanks for the good work you're doing. We appreciate it as always. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Look, we expect tomorrow, It's that's what I'm reading all day today, that interest rates are going to be increased by the Federal Reserve. What does that mean for you? That means uh, if you get a mortgage, you're going to pay more in interest payments. Now, that's where our friends at AmericanFinancing.net uh, come in. They want if you if you some of the millions and millions of Americans have not taken advantage of these low rates. 
Goldman Sachs thinks we may have as many as seven rate increases this year alone. Earlier, it was only three to four, and that's still a lot. So if you've not refinanced and you want to find out how much money you can save every single month on your mortgage and how much money you can save over the course of your loan, uh, take the free mortgage review that they're offering. They have mortgage experts standing by right now. Look, it may be hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars every month. It might be tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of your loan. Anyway, call now, 866-615-9200, 866-615-9200. On the web, it's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, org. Mainstream media loves to hate. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. I I am tired of the never-ending, oh, uh, uh, my name is Joe. I blame Vladimir Putin for everything that uh, has gone wrong in my administration. Really? We had five months of of, a 40-year high of inflation. Thanks to Joe Biden's economic and energy policies. Prior to Putin invading Ukraine, man, we were paying around a buck fifty more per gallon of gasoline, more to heat and cool our homes, heating now, cooling in the summer, and paying more for every single product we bought in every single store. This guy never, ever takes responsibility for every disaster that was preventable that he himself caused. And by the way, all of these things we could fix rather easily. I don't care if it's the southern border disaster, the Afghanistan withdrawal, a disaster. Oh, inflation is transitory. That was another big lie by Biden, Saki, and Kamala Harris. Oh, food supply, food supply chain. Uh, there are no empty shelves. Yeah, there are. They still are. Gas prices are not our fault. Yes, they are. Uh, we, we had no idea. We didn't see this coming. It's called Omicron on the heels of Delta heading into, uh, the holidays and the new year. I mean, it just, they take responsibility for nothing. Here's Biden, for example, denying the crisis. That is the southern border. As the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border gets worse, the media is being kept from it. An urgent crisis at the border. More than 10,000 men, women, and children flooding into Texas seeking asylum. Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Is what's happening at the southern border, is it a crisis? It is getting urgent action now. We've now gotten control. There's no crisis at our southern border. No, not at all. The Afghanistan withdrawal was a success. Really? Because we still have uh, Americans abandoned on day 213 uh, behind enemy lines. Day 226, since Joe Biden promised he'd never do this to our fellow Americans or or people legally eligible to live in the U.S. He takes no responsibility for anything. Listen. How? Does the Biden administration miscalculate this intelligence so gravely? This is a fiasco. This is, uh, you know, 
a big part of life is execution or implementation. And this is just malpractice. This has just been a, a fiasco by any and every measure. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly. Friends and foes alike are calling this withdrawal a fiasco. I, I, I just can't believe no one told me that this is the last flight. Am I safe? Now the question is my life. Am I safe? Are these people are safe? This has been a disaster. Uh, it's a failure. The catastrophe that's unfolding in Kabul. The catastrophic exit that we have been watching on television. Last night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan. The extraordinary success of this mission. This is now on track, Peter, to be the largest airlift in U.S. history. Uh, so no, I would not say that is anything but a success. Day 213, Americans abandoned, our Afghan allies abandoned, even some military family members abandoned, and green card holders abandoned. Oh, and did I mention the 80-plus billion dollars in expensive, sophisticated military equipment and technology? Yeah, that was abandoned there, too. And then the mantra for the longest time, oh, no, no, this, this inflation is transitory and is going to pass. Now almost every economist in the country is talking about a recession. Listen to this lie. Uh, food prices up 0.8, that's double what it was, uh, including uh, food away from what I've been out for, for dinner recently, but certainly eating out is costing more. Eating at home is costing more as well. 48% of small businesses, Becky, have raised prices. First big inflation breaking news of 2022, year over year, headline is up 7%. That is the highest since 1982. If you compare month to month, we've seen inflationary pressure or inflationary numbers go down month to month. As our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Of course, Joe doesn't take responsibility. But think about this. We didn't have these problems under Trump, did we? You know, the one that is angering me the most is uh, gas prices are not our fault. It's Putin's fault. Anyway, let's get to our busy phones. I mean, I can go on further with all these lies. Um, let's say hi. It's Chris in Western New York. Chris, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. Great to talk to you. Um, I am actually a crude oil producer in western New York State. You probably didn't even realize there was crude oil in western New York. I know that there's definitely a lot of uh, incredible resources in New York that it looks like we're never going to touch unless, you know, Hochul loses to Lee Zeldin or whoever ends up being the candidate for the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, Governor Hocus Pocus. We, uh, I've been uh, a crude oil producer just uh, myself and my girlfriend operating on property that's been in our family since uh, 1911. Uh, we've had a lot of struggles over the uh, <clears throat> They tell us that there's 9,000 drillings out there, but the reality in New York State is a drilling permit only lasts for six months. And, you know, back during COVID, when we were putting up with 20 cent per barrel oil, uh, we couldn't drill well for for that. So, you know, we lost our permit. And, you know, our equipment is sitting and it has to be refurbished and brought up to speed. Uh, this is definitely not Putin's fault. This is the, the fault of our new administration. Well, the fact is... It's all the regulations. Now, let me ask you, how hard is it for you from a regulatory standpoint 
to do the job that you're capable of doing and produce the energy you want to produce? It's relatively difficult. Uh, the New York keeps coming down harder and harder on independent oil producers. I mean, we're really small. We can't afford any employees. Uh, we do all the work ourselves. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we build our own locations, we drill our own wells, we even build some of our own rigs. Yeah, we'll have a little technical difficulty with your phones. You know, it's it's frightening. We we can be energy independent in no time at all. We have the ability to do that. Will we? No, I doubt it. Uh, anyway, thanks for the call. Alana, South Dakota, next Sean Hannity Show. Alana, how are you? Thank you for checking in. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I really wanted to call and talk about the uh, vaccine mandate that's going on with our military, um, specifically my husband. Yeah, we've lost over 1,500 military uh, personnel, and I think it's going higher by the day. But I thought they were going to pull back on that. Was I read one article that, that might go away. Sean, as we speak, my husband, who has served 18 and a half years honorably, he's set to retire next year, is standing in his full service dress in front of his commander receiving a punishment as I speak to you on the phone. What Do you know what the punishment is? Well, they're setting up a paper trail to try to discharge him from the military, which would take away his entire retirement. Our, you know, our income as a family, it would take away all of our medical benefits. It would just take everything away instantly. After 18 years of serving his country, um, I'm sure, was he in combat? Was he in Afghanistan? Was he in Iraq? Was he in, the, you know, in war zones? Yeah, he's served um, three deployments. So he's been in Iraq and, and other places, including an entire year of this pandemic he spent overseas. So just like the way we treat medical professionals, uh, the heroes of the pandemic that they fired in many instances, and and just like, for example, the way where they tried to treat truckers and, and other people that were pivotal uh, during the worst days of the pandemic, uh, and then people like your husband that served three tours of duty, I guess this is our country's way of saying thank you. Um, can I ask a personal question? You don't have to answer it. Um, is there a medical reason or, or maybe a religious reason why he doesn't want the vaccine? Would that factor in at all? Yes, um, absolutely. It is a religious reason why he is compelled not to take this vaccine. And he has been through the entire religious accommodation process. Um, our chaplain at our base here found his belief sincere. She wrote in a letter saying, that he should be granted this accommodation or given early retirement. And that went into the package that went up his chain of command and, um, you know, up to the MAGCOM level and the Surgeon General of the Air Force, and they all denied denied this to him. You know, I'm going to do something that maybe I shouldn't do. Why don't, I'm going to put you on hold, and I want to get the name of the commander of your husband, and maybe we'll call him, invite him on the show and have him explain your husband's case. Of course, if you'd be willing to ha let him talk about it publicly or you talk about it publicly, uh, because I think people need to understand this is not the way this country ought to be treating and rewarding men and women that put their lives on the line for us. Three tours of duty in a war zone is called hell on earth for the limited time I spent in Iraq in the red zone and in the green zone, I could tell you when I was flying in and when I was flying out, when I, especially when I was flying out, I'm thinking, 
What about these guys that have 364 more days at least on the ground there? Not exactly the coolest place on earth to be. And this is no way for this country to, to treat our military personnel. We've got to be a better country than that. He deserves his full retirement with full medical benefits, and he ought not be getting dressed down because he has a religious point of view. I thought we had, I thought one of the reasons that he fought for his country was for freedom, and that includes religious freedom. So I, we're going to put you on hold and see if we can't get a hold of this commander and see if he would come on the program and answer this insanity because this is insanity. Uh, thank you, Alana. I'm so sorry that your family's going through that. I really am. Um, let's say hi to Dale is in Ohio. Dale, how are you, sir? Glad you called. Hey, how you doing, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, I just got uh, three points I would like to kind of look at and uh, put in remembrance. Uh, back in 2015, we all have to remember that what Hillary um, had sold, and that was uranium. Number two is what she said to our troops to stand down. They're, have, they have passed on since then. Number three is what Obama had to say to Putin. After the election, I will have more leverage. Well, we look at all three of them, and Trump was elected through the wrench in the works of the Democrat Party. Now that the Democrat Party are back in order, the dog has returned to his vomit. Therefore, what I'm trying to say is the invasion between Russia and Ukraine would have happened in 2017, 2018. Your thoughts? I, I have no way to predict that. I think the reason that Vladimir Putin did not do this during the Trump years is I think he saw strength and un, a certain unpredictability in in Donald Trump. He also saw a guy that wasn't afraid to, you know, the, remember, remember the caliphate grew under Obama and Biden. And it was Correct. Donald Trump Absolutely. that systematically just wiped them off the face of the earth. The, the killing of Soleimani was a big deal, um, and he pulled the trigger there, too. Uh, the same with Baghdadi and all his associates, and the same with the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. You know, not things that most people give Donald Trump credit for. But I think there was a genuine fear. And, and honestly, it's, look, I know Trump better than anybody. And he, when he says, we got along perfectly, we got along fine, what he's saying is we understood each other. In other words, keep your enemies, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. Sun Tzu, art of war. It's that simple. Absolutely. And you must always project strength. And I'm pretty certain, and I've had people tell me that know better than I do, sources, that Donald Trump made it very clear to all of these dictators and thugs and hostile actors on the world stage, I don't give a flying Adam Schiff, I'll do it. If you want to be, if you want to go there, I'll go there with you. We'll go there together. If you want to be friends, I'm willing to be your friend, too, and we'll all try and prosper together. You're going to fight for your country. I'm going to fight for my country, get the best deals we can, and keep the world a better place, raise our kids, and, and we won't be firing missiles at each other. Um, that was real. That's called peace through strength. There's no strength in Joe Biden. All I see in Joe Biden is, is nothing but weakness. And now we're seeing the results of that. Anyway, um, so I can't really answer whether what might have happened had Donald Trump not won, but I know what happened when he did win. And we know what happens now that Joe's back in power with Iran, with China, with Russia. And I think the Biden 
family syndicate is, you know, corrupt by all of these countries, including Ukraine, too. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We have full comprehensive coverage of all the happenings on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, Putin seems to be getting desperate, and he's going scorched earth more than he had up to this point. Uh, we have reporters on the ground like uh, Greg Palcott and others, uh, Jennifer Griffin at the Pentagon, C- Ted Cruz, Kevin McCarthy, Rick Perry on the energy factor, Reince Priebus, Laura Trump, Kellyanne Conway, and much more, 9 Eastern. Set your DVR, Hannity on Fox. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for making this show possible. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.